Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Um, <clears throat> welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe podcast family, and that is why on episode 124, that's right, 124 of these, uh, the name of the podcast on your favorite podcast platform reads Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. Uh, or maybe it doesn't. I haven't checked it. Honestly, I haven't checked it since episode 10. Um, maybe I'll do that uh, after I record, but we'll see. Uh, either way, uh, thanks for uh, joining and listening. And enough of that, Misha Gossin. On to this week's amazing, amazing guests. Uh, what I, I think what he'll go down as one of the all-time greats and uh, certainly uh, a joy to see at any and all stages uh, wherever he's playing because certainly there's tons of them uh, you know comedy comedy staple I was gonna say LA staple but please give it up for Todd glass everybody <laughs> he, uh, he who do you think you were waving to Todd I, I know I forgot we're not doing we're just doing an audio podcast, but I was waving to you actually. Thank you, thank you. I I, I imagine that you're waving to like a, just like an imaginary crowd at the lab or something. Yeah, that's what I was. Thank you, everybody. Right. Um, how is it going, Todd? Are you dealing with the heat? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's you know I I'm not a, I'm not a global warming you know denier at all, so I don't want to make it sound like that. But I always feel like. No. Even 20 years ago, I would say this. People always, I think, why can I swear it's been this hot before? Like, we just forget right. it. Right. Even if Delphi, my mom goes, it's never been this hot. I go, yeah, it is. I mean, I'm, I'm, I always say that with all the progression we're going to have after I'm not on this planet anymore, mm -hmm. I'm glad I was here for AC. As long, long as there's air conditioning, I, I'll, I'll put up with the other advancements that happen after I leave. Right. What, oh, with that in mind, what are your feelings about, a loud AC in a club. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll take it over uh, no AC. I think, you know, it's funny. I feel like I have an opinion on everything. Yeah. I wish there were, if I, if, I wish there was a, a movement to stop a lot of, look, comedians have bad habits too, and I talk about it all the time. I'm not a person that um uh, doesn't think there are any good comedy clubs. Matter of in fact, I think some of the comedy clubs that are open today are better than they've ever been. Some people have come along and figured it out and right. even figured out how to serve drinks. Well, yeah. during you know, like comedy on state. Right. <clears throat> but I think not having horrible air conditioning, I wish I had the power in comedy to stop it. Because yeah. you could. You just have to embarrass people out of it. You have to go, okay, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to mention the club. I'm still being nice. Right. But it's the biggest robbery. It is the biggest. Mm -hmm. It's such a, it's such a, it's so wrong. It's so taking advantage of people. And they don't tell them on the phone. They don't tell them on the phone. Mm -hmm. uh, and then people get there. It's a horrible experience. It doesn't make comedy a little worse. It makes it god-awful. Right. And a lot of what I'll, I'll still say they're A-rooms. Right. But they shouldn't be okay with that. And I'm not sure if they don't pay the price for it. I don't know if the high-end drinks sell when it's boiling hot. Yeah. And no one's enjoying the show. And I... And, and, and I but I don't care if it's if it 
if it doesn't lose the money, they should still fix it because they give a shit about comedy. Yeah. When I see it at clubs, some clubs do it. And when I say they're A rooms, that's because I'm being kind. If right. you don't have air conditioning, I shouldn't even call you an A room. But oh. you know why you have to. They are A rooms in a lot of aspects, but right. the, no air conditioning is just, it's just, I ask clubs now. When I go to a new club, it's right. on my list of things. I go, hey, there's one more thing I want to ask you. You know, you're having a phone call with the new right. club and they maybe want you to come in. You want to go, hey, I just want to let you know what I like when I'm at a club and make sure that's cool with you. And if everything goes good, I go, I have one, one more question. And I, how's your, if I'm coming in the summer, how's your AC? And right. one time about a year or two years ago, the guy goes, oh, I knew you'd ask. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, I'm having trouble with it, but because you're coming, it'll be a reason for me to get it fixed. Oh my God. Well, thank goodness you do all that sort of, uh, ombudsmanship for comedy, uh, because other people, I don't know, might put up with it. I still remember, remember the LA podcast fest, which must be like a decade ago now where for whatever reason we were at the, um, uh, SLS in, in like Beverly Grove and the floor was wet and you were like, we gotta, we gotta dry this. And you had all these dryers brought in, like these hotel dryers. Do you remember this? I think I might have. Rem I think I might have remembered uh, some. I don't know why I would care if the floor was wet, but uh, no, 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 no. It you're was AC. It you're, no, you're remembering it wrong. Okay, it, what was it? it? It's funny. You hear stories and then you go, no. It was LA Podfest, right? Yeah, yeah. It was the podcast fest. And the room, and this made a gigantic difference. In the lobby, it was freezing cold. See, it's funny your memory of that. And it's, oh, by the way, I, I, this happens a lot in my memory of probably other people's stories. Right, right, right. Mine is, so they didn't have AC. The AC in the room wasn't really working where the comedy right. show. Right. But in the lobby, it was freezing cold. So right. I said, don't you have a fan anywhere? And then all they had were those fans that when you're trying to maybe dry out a carpet. Right. Oh, so, Okay. We yeah. put the fan in the hallway and we cracked the door just enough and we put a right. black piece of, you know, material so light wouldn't come in. And we just blew massive amounts of air in the room. And literally everything that I wanted to happen happened. People are like, it's night and day in there. Yeah, there's cool. I think the same thing when I'm in a club and it's wintertime. Right. I understand, okay, you can't afford no air conditioning. I do get that. But I've been to clubs when it's free, three feet away, it's cold out. Mm -hmm. So let's get a fan outside and blow cool air in. But right. um, yeah, that's what I did at the LA Podfest. I'm like, and they and they went downstairs into the basement and they got two of those big blowers. Right. And we blew and we blew cold air. And that's funny that your version was that the floor was wet. So even yeah. though while I'm doing this, you're walking around looking at me going, "Is the floor wet?" When the, the, that wasn't the case at all. No, it wasn't the case. No. And uh, don't tell, and tell me the truth. You had to be affectionately mocking me a little because if you thought it was just the floor was wet and it's carpeting by the way yeah so why would i care you right, had to be right, right well I, think it, I don't think i was affectionately mocking you so much as like i think i brought it up as a thing to illustrate that you go above and beyond and i don't know that anybody else would have done that todd no matter whether it's ac or like any other thing that i imagined it would have been yeah, that's what it was, you know, just trying to get some uh, cool air in there. Yeah, right. I, I clubs do it, and I wish they couldn't get away with it. I wish, you know, years ago, Judah Freelander tried to get something started where they did away with the check drop at comedy clubs. Right. And if enough big comedians say, hey, I'm not going to work your club until you get rid of the check drop, they'd probably do it. Same right. thing 
Ego, it's over. You got away with it. If you can't afford to have it fixed, whether it's, hey, I bet it's really expensive and I bet it sucks to have to do it. But mm-hmm. if it's embarrassed out of it, it's just, I hate to see audiences sit there. And if you're a comedy club and this gets into your ears, and I'm not even talking about a one nighter or a bar with it, I'm talking full fledged, you know, th- Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday to Sunday, whatever your week is, it's a full fledged comedy club. Mm-hmm. And it's not okay. It's not yeah. okay. Okay. It's not, it's, 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 it's really wrong. And I, and I get very angry at it. Absolutely. The Elysian, one of LA's newest theaters, they took, they postponed a whole week of shows to put an AC in. Good. They had like a whole week of shows on books, which must've been like eight or nine shows that they had to cancel or like reschedule that they had to get that AC in there. Yeah. And you know, and again, I understand why that doesn't make it okay. I get it. Maybe things are a little tight as it is, but it should be thought of when you open a club, you know, whether you have to put those, you know, those Yamaha units, mm-hmm. they don't have to central, but they're like long units and the flap opens up and it's right, right, right. very quiet. That's why they're, that's why they're great. Right. Sometimes you put two or three of those in the club. I mean, it's still going to be 25,000 even for those, but right. it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's really not right to do to audiences. And I always tell the club, I told one club affectionately, the manager, I go, it wasn't his fault. We were bonding about it. And I go, they don't tell them on the phone, do they? They don't go, hey, we just want to let you know that our air conditioning is not working at its best. No, no, why don't you tell them on the phone? Because you know they won't show on a 100-degree day. So it, that's why it's ripping. It's stealing from people. It is literally stealing from people. It's not like, oh, we're out of this drink, or you get there and they're out of a... A, a liquor that you like, or maybe it's not freezing cold, but no, it's, it's lit. It is. I think it is stealing from people and it's not okay. Right. Do you, uh, uh, I hope I'm remembering the temperature correctly, but Letterman, when he did the late show, he had the audience at like 50, I want to say 56 degrees. All studios obviously keep it cold, but I know Letterman's notorious for keeping it very cold. What do you, is that too cold for you? I well, mean, there can, be, there can be too cold, but um, I'll always take too cold because if people know they're going to Letterman, they can wear a light jacket if they need to. Right, right, right. But definitely, I, I feel like, I mean, part of that uh, is the warmer it is, the more likely that people will fall asleep. Yeah, they get, they get, they get like, you know, just groggy and cold is good. Keeps them, keeps them chipper. Mm-hmm. Um, did you do any outdoor shows during like like lockdown quarantine? I feel like I mean it's never ideal to do an outdoor show, but I mean circumstances are what they are, and that's kind of what we had for a while. Yeah. And I don't think oh. it's going to go away entirely. No, and and by the way, before the pandemic, there were outdoor shows that were done right. Outdoor shows are like indoor shows; they can be done right, they can be wrong. Right. Done wrong. I've seen outdoor shows that are really, really done right, and there is something fun and different about it it's a nuance if it's done right, right. um I, I performed as much as i could mostly i performed in my podcast studio right. and uh, not sometimes it, i wasn't even joining a zoom show i would just be maybe 11 30 at night i'd smoke a little and feel like doing a little stand-up i'd go out and do 15 minutes and and then just post it or take six minutes out of it and post it to be honest i thought it was um a very creative, good time to do comedy with no audience. I thought it, not that I didn't want audiences to return. <laughs> right, right, One right. One of the best things about comedy, yeah. uh, audience 
they're one of the best things about comedy and they can also be one of the hardest things about comedy. Yeah. It's your job, obviously, without bastardizing what you're, what you do, but with reading them and learning how to, you know, manipulate, you know, go around it and get them to like you without doing things you don't want to do. But um, no, no, no doubt. I thought it was fun to perform with no audience. Like use your podcast instincts to do your. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. Well, no, and I'm saying when I have like any guest on my podcast and we're being funny, we don't stop and go, okay, I have no idea if this is funny. I have right. no idea. I don't know that an audience. No, we know. And my yeah. sister Paul once goes, I, I did like a, a Zoom show where I did yeah. join show, and I go, oh, that went real well. And that was before they were pumping in maybe some audience laughter. Right, she right, goes, right. how do you know if no audience? I go, well, again, I love the audience, but. I know what's funny. I'm not trying to get one over in anybody. If words flow out of my mouth right, mm-hmm. I know how to judge it with no audience. And um, right. I thought it made my stand-up better, to be honest. Yeah? How so? Like, because you being connected to the audience, I feel so paramount to you in your act. It is. And that's why I preface it every time I say it. I'm not saying that audi- oh, audiences are the worst thing in the world. But, you know, I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. You do have to read them sometimes. And sometimes if I see, like, let's say I'm doing a bit on a, po- on a podcast or a radio. If you're doing comedy, you do it till you don't think it's funny. Right. So for the people that are loving it, you give them all that they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the people, you know, it could be 25, 30% of the audience. They're not yelling or booing or even making a peep, but you can tell they're not into it. You're, the right, right, right. You're going far with a bid, or mm-hmm. so I. Um, I thought that it was helpful because I could just do it till I was tired of it. Right. Till I was tired of it, and for the people that weren't enjoying it, well, I didn't have to look at them. But for the people that were enjoying it, they got you know they got what I thought was funny. How long should this bit go? How long should I do it? Right. I trust my own instincts. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I think you trust your own instincts better than almost any performer. Like, I, I don't think, I mean, you don't second guess, but I, sometimes I think you make a bit out of like re, like taking back your bit or redoing it. And I think that's so fun. I mean, I do sometimes to in a good way and sometimes in a bad way. I do let the audience, like I said, it is your job to read the audience, but I, I let it hurt me sometimes. I think it's very hard for me to see 30% of the audience not laughing. The truth is I should just do it. Don't, but it's hard some nights. I will see that and then I'll drift to a different set. Like I'll start doing different bits. You know, let me see if I can get these people that are, you know, not into it. So I really enjoyed it. Not. You know, what I said as a joke, the first night back at a comedy club, I wanted to say to the audience, but I forgot, hey, do you want to see how I would do this show if you weren't here? <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't mean not trying. That doesn't okay. mean not trying at all. It just means I'm going to do this bit till I think this bit has run its course. Absolutely. I'm not trying to play games. I'm not trying to do it long to be to be like, oh, I'm going to do this and just go too long. To... No, I'm going to just do it till I don't think it's funny. Right. That's why when that was it, who did this stand up show without an audience? Um, oh, Drew, uh, Drew Michael, yeah. Drew oh, Michael. I, I, I love that. Yeah. And but it doesn't mean he never wants to perform in front of an audience again, but it was a creative right. choice, which uh, I, I was, I was, uh, I was jealous of it. I thought, ah, oh, 
I, I think that's going to be fun. I know, I, I know him, but not that well. I always wanted right. to say, did you enjoy it? Was it, was it what you wanted it to be? Yeah. Oh, you wanted to ask Drew that? Yeah, I wanted to ask Drew that, but I have not seen him, you know, because then, the, you know, did that before the pandemic, obviously. Yes. No, and everyone thought he was crazy, and it was kind of like HBO marketed it in a way that it was like a stunt. Um, and I found it interesting that he did a lot of material that he had already released, where I had heard that, like, in front of an audience. So I had, like, a reference point. Right. Of, like, where, okay, like, this is this chunk, this is this bit um where i mean without an audience especially because drew gets he intellectualizes a lot of the topics he talks about and he gets really um uh emotionally vulnerable some of it without an audience present and that sort of that you know you feel that connection even if you're hearing it and just watching it uh secondhand he uh yeah it felt more dramatic you know um, well, yeah, I, I, I really liked it. I actually really liked Drew too. I think, oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. amongst many things, the vulnerability and, and, uh, you know, he's somebody I always point to when people go, oh, you know, there's no good. Well, I know he's not new, new, but he's new, right. you know, I mean, he's probably been doing it. I don't know how long, but he's, right. you know, he's not a, he's not a 55 year old guy. You know? No, 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 no. But I mean, how much longer? Or, I mean, I guess this is just always going to be a thing, maybe. Or people are like, oh, there are no good new. This is the thing I think we agree on. We've talked about before. People just decrying, like, you know, that the, their era of comedy or whatever it is, really, is bygone. And then there's nothing new under the sun that's good. Well, I feel like this year, more than ever, I'm trying to learn new ways to say things. And also prove that I don't just like to hear my own voice, which on a... <laughs> Day, maybe I do. It's not something I'm proud of. Right. But I feel like the new way that I want to say that to people, like I always fantasy, like, you know, I'm on Bill Maher show or anybody who says it on a large forum. And I go, could you figure out why you're wrong without me barking at you? Yeah. Right in front of me, try to figure out well, you're, why you're wrong. Like, because I do, I think it's like, explaining to someone that's addicted to drugs why they're wrong mm -hmm. why they're they know at one level it's an addiction yeah. and i think the addiction to saying comedy is not what it used to be is the addiction is complacency because if they're right mm -hmm. they're doing exactly what they should do if they are right and truly comedy is not what it used to be right then doing exactly what's right but let's say to this person that thinks that if i go what if i'm right right they'd be you know, we can disagree, but that doesn't mean they're not smart enough to go, well, if you're right, that would mean do a little math in their head. Right. I would have a lot of work to do. Yes, you would have a lot of work to do socially. Because right. you, and maybe that, in, I don't think that's why they feel that way. Right. But I think that they, they, they're not even aware of it. I really do believe that it's a delusion because if they were aware of it, I have never heard one person say that comedy's not, we talked about this, what it used to be. I've never heard one person on a podcast that I listen to or go to start it like this. Because if they started it like this, they'd at least have my ear. Okay, they're, if they said, listen, I am aware what I'm about to say has been said over and over and over and over. You're going, okay, they're, at least they're aware of it. Okay, right, right, right. now you've got my 
right year because you're acknowledging that the 60s said it about the 70s, the 70s thought it about the 80s. I lived when the guys like Steve Allen mm -hmm. and a lot of older comics were saying there was no good comedy in the 80s. Were they wrong? Yeah, yeah. of course they were fucking wrong. There was yeah. great comedy in the 80s. So it's just like this thing that it's like a... I wish I could maybe sometimes lower my tone and say from a place of love, do you want to understand why you're wrong? Right. And then to shut up and listen. Be honest with me. Don't, don't. I know you're not going to want to go, no, because that makes you look, but just tell me the truth. Right. Do you want to know why you're wrong? And, and, and if I guess why you're wrong, would you admit it or do you want to be right? And one of the reasons I think there, what happens is when you're not around comedy or music a lot, when you're younger, you go out. I have a friend that's a new manager in L.A., and he goes out to see comedy mm -hmm. six nights a week. So mm -hmm. when me and him talk about comedy, he knows what the fuck he's talking about. Right. Because he goes, you can't, if, if, there, if you only went out, if, if it was 1970, and you only went out, I'm going to be really fair here. Let's say you're a 55-year-old today. How often do you go out to see new comedy? Okay, maybe once a month, if that. Yeah. It could be two years you never went out. Or you go in with your nose up in the air. Oh, is this what they do now? If you did that in any era, you wouldn't know what was good. The right. reason younger people know that there's good comedy and they know there's good music because they have the time to saturate themselves within it. They see a lot of bad, but they also get to see the good. And it's the same right. thing today. There is a lot of bad comedy today. There's always been a lot of bad comedy. But oh, if yeah. you're around it, you know what's also brilliant and good and better. Right. And I would also add to that, that it's an art form. And in it being an art form, it shouldn't be the same. You know, it shouldn't be like, it, it should evolve and it should be reflective or expressive of the zeitgeist or your perspective on what's going on in the world with people, with your life. And, you know, if, if, if it just, more of the same i feel like you're sacrificing the art part of it well and also to say I'm, i agree with you and also i hope i say this right to say music and comedy when you say it got better that is not the, mm -hmm. the great past you know that, that expression we ride on their shoulders is that that you know you take what these brilliant comedians did in my head i'd like to believe that if richard Pryor came back and he found out if somebody goes, hey, Richard, comedy got better and better. He'd go, oh, good. I was hoping it would. Right. I think people that say that comedy isn't what it used to be, they care about their slice of comedy. Yes. They look at it from the universe of comedy because you'd want it to get better and better. And to say that comedy and music isn't getting better and better, it's a real indirect insult that you might be unknowingly give to talent. And what it's saying is, because we know in the last 20 years, 25, 30 years, mm -hmm. you're able to take your, your, whatever you do, your music, your comedy, right to the people. Right. Now, if it's getting worse, that means, see, without the executives in the suits, comedy went, now, that's an insult. It should have gotten better because we can take what we do, not, not always, you can still do traditional route where Netflix buys your special or HBO, but if, if it's not that, you can take it right to the people. Yes. And insinuate that that goes well i guess of course it would get better because um of course it would get better because 
the avenues in which we can bring it to the people. I mean, that just is almost with graphs and charts and, and science. It, it, right. I know science is the word, but you know what I mean. Like right. the comedy is going to get better and more pure. Right, right. I do you do you feel like your comedy gets purer and purer? Like, what is your journey along those lines? Well. Like I said, I don't think there should be rules on what you can and can't do. Right. But mm -hmm. I, of course, I, everyone should do exactly what they want to do. I just have a right to complain about it. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Whenever, you know, the, the, the most sensitive people that are really policing most people are comedians. Mm -hmm. Comedians. Yeah. Yeah. There might be a few people that go, I don't like what that comedian does. And I think he should be stopped. But overwhelmingly, it's people just going, oh, I don't like what you said. And they go, oh, they're so sensitive. They're so sensitive. They're not sensitive. They're right. correcting you. They might be wrong, but they're when your parents told you, say please, say thank you, say I'm sorry, were they inhibiting your speech? You felt like that as an eight-year-old. You really did. An eight-year-old felt like, oh, my God, say please. I can't say this. And I just, now I say thank you. Now I have to say this. Now I have to do this. Right. That, but when you're older, you're not supposed to react to your parents were trying to make your speech more beautiful, not inhibiting your speech. Right. So apply that to the day. And I'm saying I don't think all criticism is right, right. always, but right. I don't think it's always wrong. I think the outcry yeah. from people, a lot of times I agree with it. Right. I agree. Yeah. The, you know, an interesting thing happened recently. This isn't necessarily comedy, but I feel like it can lean into it. Um, both Lizzo and Beyonce retroactively changed lyrics in songs they released because they featured the word spaz, which has now been highlighted as a offensive word from the disabled community, uh, especially relating to mental health. Um, and they, yeah, Beyonce specifically, like, went back and this is the thing i don't think this even happened in music history really where it's like you can retcon it a little bit of like she just changed the lyric and i don't think it's really hard to find the version where she says spaz and you know what i admire when artists do that but uh, but it's not an insult it's just a wish i wish they would be a little louder sometimes to go i did this willingly yeah a lot of the people, when they do that, sometimes they don't do it willingly. They're artists that just change their behavior because, oh, all right, well, I got to stop saying this word or I'm going to. I wish they wouldn't. I wish if an artist didn't feel it from their heart. You know, all these comedians that have dropped different words out, but but maybe when they're around the house or they still use these adjectives, like, you know, the word I'm talking about. Right, right, um, right. I wish they would keep doing it because we're all paying the price because you dropped it unwillingly. You didn't want to drop it. I'm even recommending, please put it back in your act if you're mad that you had to get rid of it because then some other group's going to pay the price. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, I can't use that word. But I think that Lizzo took it out. Look, if I, I'm, I would imagine happily. Like I wish, it's like if you went to, um, couple, uh, to child uh, with your family, you went to family therapy, yeah. You know, it sounds a little silly, but maybe you learned you don't call your uh, son lazy. Don't call him a, a lazy pig. And you, instead of going, wow, I, I, I get along with my son a lot better. I can communicate yeah. better. Yeah. Uh, now I can't call my son a lazy pig anymore. Like, right. That's how a lot of comedians, they're, they're angry, but I think they're angry at themselves because right. 
if you took those words out happily, like, oh my God, no, I didn't do it angrily. Like, I'm, I'm glad to get that word out of my, my vocabulary. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Um, you wouldn't be mad at the next word that came along. And they're always mad. They're even, they get angrier and angrier. And I think it's because they're un, they don't want it to change and they're changing. And I think they would just go back to their old ways because it's not, it's not helping anybody. Right. And I feel like maybe audiences, maybe they wouldn't, you know, be consciously aware of it or even articulate it, uh, you know, of their free will, but they sense when you don't want to get rid of it. You know, like there is a very clear, like you're being kind of forced, you know, you're having your hand uh, tied behind your back and you got to like, all right, well, I got this. Yeah, it's and it's and it, like I said, it's funny that I'm sitting here saying put it back in your act, but you know what I mean when I say we're all paying the price for you doing it unwillingly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean when I say I, that. I, I do. Uh, do you want to uh, share with the listeners? Well, I'm, I'm like hoping I'm saying it clear. I'm trying to do that. Like I have these theories, and then you go to, you know, I'm trying to go through what I just said and go. Do people know what I mean? I think it confuses everybody at best. Because if you dropped retarded, I'm going to use the word because right. out of your act, because you, no, 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 I wanted to. No, no, no. Just like, I'm better than that. I'm a wordsmith. I should be able to do better than the word retarded or yeah. fag mm-hmm. or whatever words you drop out of your act. If you did it willingly, I don't think you'd be arguing about this new word. You'd go, wow, there seems to be a running history that when there's almost a movement to get a word out, not one person, one person could be wrong. One person can complain about a bit and be wrong. I get that. I'm a comic. Right. But with the movement, you'd go, wow, look at the history of the movements of whatever words go further back. I've said this a million times and I'll keep saying it because I don't get the platform to say it on a bigger, you know, big, big, big show. But look at the movement of any of those words. I always ask people, well, let me ask you a question. You want you want to keep uh, retarded in. You want to keep saying gay or faggot or whatever it is. Right. What are the words you want to bring back from twenty years ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, those. If it happened before your before it was on your dime or your you know your. Right. What or or give me the words. I'll yeah. list. You want me to list some of the words? Right. Want me to list some of them? Yeah. So, the the reason those words get worse and worse. Not because we just decide they will. It's because we learn about that group of people. And we learn not that you can't be aggressive and be a comedian. You can. I love vulgar. I love crass. But you don't have to be vulgar and crass towards the wrong people or my perception of the wrong people. So, yeah, it's just um, anyway. Yeah. I'll stop there. No, it's all all good. Um, It's really exhausting. I will be honest with you, Jake. It is. Because I feel like no matter how much I talk about it, I've never got a call from one comedian, not one, right. that said, hey, I heard what you said. Yeah. I'm on, the, on a bad day, I might not say it clear. But right. don't tell me the last 25 years. One time it didn't come out of my mouth. I never, that's why I think it's like a drug addiction. I really do. I think it's, it's very hard to get people out of. And I guess that's because we're not really talking about just comedy. We're talking about growth as a human being. Growth as a human being and an artist and all that. Absolutely.
love that it, this isn't too upsetting just to go down. The, I mean, I love hearing all these opinions and takes because I think there's a lot of just like sweeping under the rug or people, you know, they get, I like you said, it's exhausting. No, it's, you know what? I promised myself before I start a lot of interviews that I won't leave the interview. If you bring it up, I think it's important to talk about it. Absolutely. And, and, and I was thinking of something, you know, even in that short break, as far as, um, I think, you know, they asked, I think, LeBron James, who this ties back into comedy, who the best basketball player right. of all time was. Right. And they go, he's not on the court yet. Mm -hmm. Which is such a brilliant answer. Right. And I think if you don't think new comedy is good, mm -hmm. then I don't think you could be a bet. I don't think you continue to grow as a comic. I think you, that's why you see a guy like Jerry Seinfeld, you know, you know, just, just doing the same old thing. To, to me, when he writes jokes, it looks like an older guy trying to make a muscle right. from a place of love. You know, he's like, right. you know, he's shaking and someone, oh, at that point you go, hey, sit down, sit down. And you think, well, why do I take a punch at Jerry Seinfeld? Because number one, he's 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 a, a very big and, and I'm not punching down. Mm -hmm. And he's very vocal about his opinions. And um, you just don't grow. So if you, if you don't, I... Not only do I think there is new good comedy, and like I said before, there's a reason, because I'm out there. Right. I know what's going on. Right. And um, TikTok has helped me a lot, too, because when I don't go out as much as I want to go out, there's a lot of comedians chopping up their stand-up right. and putting it on there. Some that I already knew, but a lot that I didn't know. Oh, you know, yeah. that I'm scrolling through TikTok, and I'm like, oh, this person's funny, this person's funny. So you, I don't think you can keep growing as a comedian unless you think that some of the newer comedy today is brilliant. Right. And it should be exciting. And I've only seen, I mean, you know, to, to bring graphs and charts back, I mean, I don't know how you would graph and chart it really, but um, when people become cross-disciplinary in comedy, whether they come from sketch and improv and do stand-up or they are stand-ups who do clowning or whatever it is, or you go into podcasting, it all reinforces each other and you only get funnier because you find different ways to be funny and to just be a purist. That's what really gets me is a purist. That's just, it, it's so reductive and it's just going to keep you stale. You know, one time in, in the couples counseling, we, we had a, a therapist, me and my ex, and we said, we want you to be, I think the word was not aggressive, but involved. Like, you know, we want you to give your opinion. You can tell me to shut up if I need to shut up. So she mixed love with sometimes she go, Todd. And she told both of us at different points, you might get away with this when I'm not here in front of you. That somebody else makes a good point and you go, blah, 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 and you talk over it. But remember what you said about wanting me to be aggressive and honest? You don't do that in here. If you don't trust me and love me, then you need to find a therapist that does. So when the other person makes a clean, crisp, brilliant point, you don't get to talk over it and just, and I feel that way about comedy, that you might glaze over it, but I can, what I call factually, sometimes factually, when comedians say, I would say to Bill Maher or any comedian, a lot of them say it, I, I'm picking his name because he said, he, I've heard him the most lately. When they say comedy, you can't say anything anymore. I want them to go back to what they could say in the year that they liked the most. Get rid of your podcast. 
Don't use language that you that you can't use. Now they wouldn't stop and go, "Wow, that's a good point." Mm-hmm. But 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 in couples counseling, they're not going to get away with that. Someone's going to go, "Whoa, he do what he just said. Do you want to go back to 1980?" Yeah. You want to go because yeah, there's a few words you'll get to say, and you can put in your buck teeth and imitate a group of people. You right. know that. But 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 you, there's going to be some things. But but think long and hard before the other things that you won't be able to do right. and the vehicles and because there are so many look there's not necessarily more vehicles for musicians and comedians there's a more platforms for human beings right some of them are comedians right so look opposition is a part of what we do especially if you do social comedy or political so these comedians that say that you can't say anything anymore it's just not true absolutely not it, and, and, and it's almost I want to help them and go, say what you mean, because, look, you know, you can disagree with someone. That doesn't mean they're not smart. You can go, you know, the words you couldn't say. And you want to go back to when it was just to the Tonight Show, if you were a comedian. Right. You want to just go back to that and where you there's no other vehicles. And then HBO came along and now there's podcasts and there's, you know, all these vehicles. And that's why when a comedian that got his audience from non-traditional ways. Right. You know what I mean? He's not a comedian that had a show on the network or he, right. he got his, maybe his fame from his podcast. Let's say that that happens a lot. And those guys say, you can't say anything anymore. I'm like, what are you talking? You, you have, you can say things you couldn't have said before because of this vehicle and other people get to do the same goddamn thing. And right. they always, it's just, we're, we're not saying you shouldn't be able to say it. Maybe some people are, but I'm not in that camp. I'm saying, you should get to say whatever you want to say, but can I fucking argue it? Am I allowed to give the opposing view without you crying like a baby? Because I know this has been said before. No one cries, tries to shut people up more than comedians. Oh, yeah. Nobody tries to shut people up more than comedians. Mm-hmm. People like when Bill Maher says or anyone else like that says you can't say you can't say anything in comedy anymore. What they're, I hear is you can't say anything in comedy anymore without being judged or in the way that uh, in a way that I don't like. And you know what? To, to not have somebody lose them if they said that, they're right. There is yeah. some truth to that. There are, there are more people can, can, but if you thought there was a benefit to it, yeah. You wouldn't mind when maybe the outcry was wrong. Maybe you heard, oh, you shouldn't do that joke. And you listened and you went, no, I'm going to still do that joke. But right. if you thought there, it made you a better comedian right. in times that the group that you're making fun of can now have a voice. Right. Forget about when you disagree. You should disagree sometimes. But what yeah. I'm asking, do you ever agree mm-hmm. in the last 30 years? Right. Forget, again, forget about the times when you go, no, they're wrong. And they are. I'm giving it right. to you. I'm saying they're not always right. I've said it a hundred times in this interview. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say to somebody, let me ask you a question. You've been doing comedy 30 years. Were the, was there ever an outcry you agreed with? Can you give me something you agreed with? We know you don't agree with a lot, mm-hmm. but what's something you went, oh, well, I'm going to actually drop that because what that person said made sense. Right. Absolutely. Ever? <laughs> Nothing? Yeah. Then you're not really listening. 
if that's the case. Yeah, you're not. That's I don't get you because you didn't because you deflected one thing. I get got you because you deflect everything. Yeah. No one's picking on you. Right. No one's picking on you. Yeah. And the new thing that they do is they say it's a joke when it's not a joke. Mm -hmm. You and know, it's, Anthony it's Jesselnik childish. might what? It's childish when they do that. It's it's an opinion, and I do it too sometimes on a podcast. But a lot of them they do these things like, oh, it's just a joke. It's just it's not even a joke. It's your opinion, right? Or you know, or they'll say, oh, if you just add them anyway. I I think I made my point. Yeah. Oh, God. You know, it's I like. <laughs> I'm missing tough crowd now. Missing oh tough crowd yeah. Oh. I think that I think it might have. I don't think it's entirely before it's time, but man, it would be really great to have tough crowd now. It would. I mean, because at least that you know, well for me at least I'd get to go on and give the opposing view. I mean, hey, a lot of you know, uh, Colin. I I love every single thing Colin does, but a lot of the people on tough crowd. You know, they were, you can't say anything anymore, people. Right. Um, I, don't, I just imagine someone hearing me right now. A lot of these people that I disagree with them socially, because I don't really get involved with politics. To me, it's usually social. Right. I wonder when they hear this, they must want to just hit me over the head with a, a sledgehammer. But I'm right. wondering, like, is I always wonder if it got into the ear, what we just right. said just now. If it got right. into the ears of, did anything I just say in this call, anything, and I didn't even say anything make you change your opinion completely. Where I said something and you, but what I called, did anything I say at least bend your ear a little bit, a flicker? And if the answer is no, you should be able to put a litmus test on yourself right. and go, wow, okay, Todd can't be wrong all the time. No. You put a litmus test on yourself and go, okay. Okay, yeah, you know, maybe it is me, like, you know, and you have to want to, you have to have interest in understanding. That's the other thing that I've learned. Before you debate someone, you go, do you want to know the other side? Uh, if you say no, I'll respect you, I'll move on, you know? Right. right. Well, and then also there's really no point in debating that person. If they, if they a person who said, is in that camp of no on a, like an, on an issue, they're just going to further entrenched the more heated possibly combative you get and um yeah that's where i just like kind of whenever i'm in that situation often with my parents i'm like all right well this is not going anywhere so i'm just gonna stop right and, yeah. and also sometimes i do it for myself but i think i do it for comedy have these same talks over and over and over again and i'll do it for younger comedians too because you know when i was 22 and you know there was a group of older comedians that said oh comedy's this and comedy's that and comedy's this right it, it fucking annoyed me after a while shut up you know i'm not i don't think i'm a hateful person but i i, I say this look i don't i might sarcastically say it but uh i don't i don't want anyone to die yeah but steve allen had me so annoyed is a 22 year old comedy's not what it used to be comedy's not what it used to be and when he died i went good <laughs> yeah Good, because they couldn't and that's how comedians must feel today that are younger hearing these guys go you can't say anything you can't say anything you can't say anything there's no good comedy there's no good comedy so maybe someone my age that goes shut the fuck up right and i'm saying it to people that are my age yeah maybe it feels good for a newer comedian to go hey at least todd glass has got our back 
Yeah, and that that is why I think your voice should be heard more. I'm yeah. thankful. One of the when I was like, you know, in my early years in comedy, like anybody else, you know, I had this idea of how it should be done. The rules, like you're saying, and I'm thankful that one of the first shows I got like involved with, I like worked tech and stuff to like get a spot, was a purely experimental show, where you had to like come up with a bit. And there was a theme and they really discouraged just traditional stand-up. And that's where I got to meet like Lizzie Cooperman and Tony Sam and Johnny Pemberton, Eric Charles Nielsen, and like just a whole mess of weirdos, Josh Fatum. And it, and it opened my eyes like they broke every rule that I had made up in my head. And I'm well, I, I guess then you just got to like be funny kind of. Okay. Yeah, and, and, when, and when you're doing something new, it might not be funny right away, but either is the old the old style of comedy could be bad too. Like you, you know, you know. I, I want to say one more thing as far as that goes because I think it's saying it from a cleaner perspective. And also, I want to go back to that. May pretend whoever I'm saying this to. There's got to be someone that's going to hear this that disagrees with me. Right, right, right. Or maybe they agree, but they'll use this as a as a as what I call you know a, a fighting point when you're preaching to the choir. But this has to do with the therapist in the room. I'm going to say something. I want you to imagine the other person on the other end of hearing this, that there's someone in the middle that goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Re react to what Todd just said. I'm, I'm your therapist and it made sense to me what he said. Yeah. And it's almost like I want to trick people into it. Like if I, again, if I went on a, a show, whether yeah. whatever the show was with a big audience and said, yeah. you, are you aware? Let's say, it's, let's use Bill Maher again. Yeah. Bill, are you aware? that most people, or, you know, Dave Chappelle, or, are you aware, I would say this to them, they, that, they don't know where I'm going with it, you do, but they wouldn't. Uh, are you aware that most people agree with you? Are you aware? And I'm sure, I look, I, it's not crazy to think they go, yeah, I know, everywhere I go, people agree. Mm -hmm. And here's where, remember, there's a second person in the room, you can't just go, after I say this, you can't just go, oh yeah, blah, 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 blah. So, so if you say to them, are you aware that most people agree with you? You can't say anything anymore. Everybody's sensitive. And they go, yeah, yeah, I know. Everywhere I go and go, that should concern you. Most people are not on the right side of history in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You go through the history of the world. Most people, this is outside of social issues. Most right. people didn't want to pick up their dog shit. Most right. people didn't want a seatbelt rule. Most people don't want, you know, vegetarian, they don't, they think vegetarians. Most people laughed at the hippies. Most people don't want to, you know, they, they don't want to drop any words. So the fact that as a comedian, if you can't put a litmus test on yourself, you're going to really fucking suck because what I just said, part of me was powerful. You should be able to go to yourself. All right. I just answered the question that said, I'm aware that most people on the planet agree that you can't say anything anymore. That's not good. That should have pause and you should go. Wow. If you want to be right, Oh, then just change the subject and keep arguing. But if you want <laughs> things to be right, if you right. want things to be right, if you don't mind being wrong, here's a wonderful opportunity to go, okay, acknowledging what Todd said doesn't help me prove my point. Right. If anything, it proves, but I'm not going to just gloss over it and move forward at 100 miles an hour. I'm going to, wow. Yeah. Okay, most people agree with me. That's not a good thing. No. Because if you, if, if you look at the history, 
Say that again. It should be a red flag. It should be a red flag. Most people get dragged into decency from a smaller group of people. And by the way, everybody, when it comes to fashion, I'm not, I'm not into the new fashion right away. Sometimes when I remember 30, 20 years ago and the shoes went square, I was like, oh, I'm not wearing the square. But then I got used to it. Most yeah. people are not all right with change. Whether And the problem is when it's social like this, it hurts people. And, you know, uh, so, so the fact that most people agree with you and you can't stop and give pause for thought, Mm-hmm. Then, then I, I don't think anything's ever going to change your opinion. No, no. And hopefully, in that case, that's where I try to spend time and energy uplifting people who are doing those things and are very funny. And maybe that'll just be a light to guide the way forward, you know? And you know what? I thought about something. Even if you, let's say you're a 60 year old guy, and for one year, you go, I'm going to do what Todd said. I'm going to go out four nights a week and right. see comedy. Yeah. Okay, you're going to have a different perspective, guaranteed. But not the same perspective as when you were younger. Along with enjoying that newer comedy was less responsibilities. All your dreams are still ahead of you. You're right. younger. You don't deal with some physicalities. Right. So even if you did do it, which is, I, I even if you're 60 and you go out and you start seeing comedy a lot right. okay i you're going to come back and go all right i i but 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 you're not going to have the mental where you were at mentally so that a lot of it's that that when you saw you you know because i had this argument with people like outside the a long time ago with a comedian outside of the improv and he goes comedy's not what it used to be so i started naming him comedians that i thought were brilliant he goes oh oh yeah, well, you know, they laughed at the, the, the Beatles. So I'm not going to sit here and list comedians for you to for you to shit on. So, yeah, you know, take this theory that you have that con- I shouldn't have to do it. That's not the way I have to prove my point. My point is proved by the history of comedy. I don't have to discuss non-binary or or or, you know, the words we use. It's, it's all encompassed by there's a new way and an old way. And the new way usually prevails when history writes itself to look like the right way. Yeah, absolutely. That's how it usually arcs. Um, I do want to pick up on this in in a bit, but do you want to do some comedy news just a little bit? Yeah. All right, great. So first item on the docket, a uh, kind of a la Carlin's two-part documentary that got released on HBO this year, which is great. Uh, a Steve Martin two-part documentary uh, is coming to Apple TV Plus uh, later this year. And in addition to that, Steve Martin recently in an interview said that he'll probably retire, I think, in in whole uh, after only murders in the building comes to a close, which uh, would mark his second time he's like leaving comedy, uh, which I, I I don't even know how to feel about. But I I remember in hearing about him leaving the first time, it seemed kind of incredulous to me. Granted, I don't play stadiums and I don't know what it's like for people to shout out your punchlines and the thousands while you're trying to do your act. 
But I feel like he's so creative and clever that he would have come up with something if he just took some time. Well, that doesn't happen anymore to him. That more happened in the yeah. early days, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I thought I thought he figured out a great way to do what he wanted to do. He he performs the music and then he can do like little bits in between. Yes. In front okay. of an audience. Maybe he's just, you know, the truth is like maybe he's just maybe he just wants to just do other things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but what's you know? the other? I mean, he already's won Grammys for like uh, playing with the Steep Canyon Rangers and He's written a play, he's written a book, he's uh, gone on tour with Martin Short. They essentially, they just roast each other, you know? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I've never heard him say anything like, you know, oh, you can't say anything anymore. So I'm sure it's not that reason, but um, yeah, I didn't hear that. I, I guess maybe they would always be safer to say, hey, I'm going to take a little break. It might be forever, but hey, in a year, if I'm itching, I'll, I'll see you in a year. Like that way that no one's, Right, going. Right. and that's probably what they they just take a little break from it. How old is Steve Martin? How is, I want to say probably seventy something. I'm gonna look up. Do you have a guess? Maybe seventy one or seventy two, maybe. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, Steve Martin is seventy six. Okay. Born in yep. Waco. I didn't know that. What? He's born in Waco, Texas. Waco, Texas. Wow. Imagine him doing an open mic night there. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember when in like 94, when alternative clubs started to open up, um, I always thought that if Steve Martin was doing comedy like in 90, 92, right. that he would have found comfort in that scene. Yeah. If he found his way to like Luna Lounge, Uncabaret, Rafifi. They, they would have loved him there. And yeah. what I liked about that, that scene... Some people thought maybe, oh, you had to be a reverend or, you know, mock, the, well, you know, or I think it was a vehicle for anything different. That's why I yeah. thought Steve Martin, even though you would say his was silly, it was certainly, which is crazy to think, that right. 50 years ago when he was mocking the conventions of stand-up. Oh, yes. 50 years ago, mocking, not in, not in a vicious way, but, you know, sort of making fun of the conventions of stand-up and playing with it. And um, I only understood it later in life, to be honest. When I was younger, I didn't get it as much. Right. You know, when I was in, like, uh, so I forget what grade I was in. When, but anyway. <laughs> but anyway. Anyways. Um, well... I'm excited for all that stuff coming out. Uh, certainly, I don't know that, you, I guess you can count it as a different era in Steve Martin's career, but I, like, that's the thing is like, what else is he gonna do? I mean, he's always been doing other things and I it's hard for me to just imagine that he's just gonna purely stop. Yeah, like, yeah. Just hang I'm, out. I'm did he literally say, I'm stopping everything? No, no. How about his, how about his performing music? What he said was, I'm not going to, after Only Murders in the Building, I'm not going to look for uh, another TV show. I'm not going to look for another movie. And I think he added also, like, this is weirdly, this is it. Oh, then maybe, but maybe he'll still perform, you know, maybe he'll still perform the uh, music. Right. Because you look at like Letterman and Conan, and they they haven't stopped. They just keep doing other things. Yeah, yeah, and and maybe without the the 
grinding out a show five nights a week, which is, you know, your whole life. Maybe yeah. they have a little bit of breathing room and get to enjoy the new, right. the new way better. You do something, then you take some time off. Then you do something and you take yeah. some time off. And it's been like, like critically written plenty of times that Conan on his podcast is actually more lively of an interviewer than he is on his late night talk show because there's less restrictions. He gets yeah. to himself and like, you know, you don't have to look, keep looking at your producer and like worry about like, oh, are we running out of time? Yeah. Yeah. I love Conan. I, I, I just adore him more and more as the years grew. I just love everything he does. I just really, uh, I hope he's happy because he's, he really, I think with his comedy, even, you know, what was that show where he went over to other countries and, and, uh, oh, it was, it was like part of Conan's show, but it was called Conan Without Borders. Yeah, that, that was when a time when we really needed it. That was like Mr. Rogers-esque type work. Uh, oh, humanizing yeah. ourselves and humanizing other people to people here and, and both ways doing it where he was purely himself, but uh, did it with a sense of humor without, you know, being disrespectful. He, right. I, I really, I really loved those. I really, really, uh, I watched a lot of them more than once. I think that was probably some of the best things that have ever been done in late night. Yeah. Truly. And yeah. Even the, like, so when he went to Cuba, he, I think he went to, he was like one of the first Americans to go to, to Cuba once they opened. Oh, really? oh, that's right. Right. Yeah. And like he went immediately because they're like, I don't know if they're going to revoke it or whatever. We just got to go do it, you know. And it was a, even though he got to be silly and whatnot, I feel like when people hear the, 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 the term goodwill ambassador, I feel like that's what it looks like in action. I agree. I, I agree. Those sometimes they would make me cry because I just saw like we need to humanize people and that we have a vision of what they are and who they are and. You know, that's why we change as we hopefully get older. You know, I think because we know different things. It's, it, yes. it's only inhibiting your comedy if you do it angrily. Yes. It, you know, people go, like, people go, oh, it's hard to do comedy with restrictions. I go, oh, so with the same analogy again, if you were in therapy with your family mm -hmm. and the therapist said, don't call your son a lazy pig, you would go, when no one was around, you might tell a coworker, yeah, it's hard to raise kids now when you you have all these boundaries. Like, it's they're not boundaries to me. These things that I change in my act are willingly. So that's why I'm not mad doing comedy. I'm not doing these things against my will. I'm happily changing. I'm, I'm growing in other areas. I'm learning to be more vulnerable. I'm learning to be more silly. Yeah, you know, because I watch other comedians go. Oh wow, look how silly they are! I'm silly already, but I could take it to another level. I I'm not angry at the change, and that is the difference. I think people on the other side think that they're getting angry, or you're, and they're getting angry because they're doing. It's like a little kid when you say "say thank you" and he goes "thank you." Right. You know, that's not the way your mommy and daddy wanted you to say thank you, but yeah. I guess we'll take it. You know. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's always coming from a, a, a like a place of hurt. I think. I mean, that's they're they're holding on to times past, um, seemingly in a way where like for words or whatever it is. Like, I mean, what what is behind this? Do you like really want to like? I, from what I my vantage point is like, do you want to still like hurt people? And I think from there, oh, I'm. 
I'm, you know, a bastion of free speech and I'm examining these nuances in uh, the culture and society that I think are uh, ridiculous. But um, I, I mean, if it, I, there's just like you're saying with the new always prevails, I also feel like whenever somebody says like back in my day, when they start a premise with back in my day, I, uh, I tense up because <laughs> a little bit, because I'm like, oh, where's this going to go? Right, it's like you start. Oh, nothing brilliant's gonna come out. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's very interesting. It's uh, I, I I don't I never to be honest I don't read that many articles like that really break it down. I don't know. I just I just wish. Mm -hmm. It just it's very it's very hard. It's very it's very frustrating. It's very yeah. frustrating. Right. So, and yeah. by the way, you know that expression you argue with yourself. Right. I would understand it more if there was consistency. In other words, we know all the words and things they want to do. Right. But I'm being fair to these comedians. If you said, well, let's like we said before, if I said, well, what about some other words that they used to use on stage? Let's go way back. I don't want to say the words, but you know what they are. Let's go back to the 40s and 50s. Do you want to bring back that? And they'll usually say no. I would make more sense to me if they go, yes, yes. <laughs> But uh -huh. you and when you ask what era they want to go back to, they never go the forties. They want to go back to the era that they were new in comedy, yeah. having the time of their lives with all the dreams in front of them. It's never, you know, one comedian goes, "Well, I'd like to go back to the eighties," and then you ask another comedian, "Oh, for me, it would be the forties." No, mm -hmm. they, they, it's just when they were doing the best. Right. It's just when they were doing the best, and yeah. and that's again, very. It's very self-serving. Yeah, very self-serving. Um. All right, next item of news. High Plains Comedy Festival, which I think is one of America's best. Have you been to High Plains? High Plains is where? Denver. Oh, I went one, God, I had so much fun. I went mm -hmm. about maybe five years ago and did a few shows there and uh, had so much, there was a lot of good comedy. Yeah, absolutely, because they uh, very much highlight the local scene as well as like everyone that's fun and new and at least yet, not yet, it's still just run by people who love com comedy, comedians themselves, Adam Caden Holland. And uh, yeah. it's, it's, there's still a purity to it where, where like, I mean, people used to call this comedy festival, Bridgetown Comedy Festival, Portland Comedy Summer Camp. And I feel like High Plains has really taken that mantle and it really is. And like, if you want to see, if you want to see like where comedy is going and have, and like definitely dispel this idea of, oh, there's no good comedy now. I mean, this is all like, they just announced their first wave of performers this week. And a lot of these people aren't necessarily mainstream big names, but they're all great and all worth being watched. And, you know, in a way where like, you know, maybe it's not going to be some exec giving them a big break in the in the not so distant future. But like, that's where the Internet has, if you want, can democratize comedy. If you just go watch all these people that are out there putting out their content, putting out their work, putting out jokes. And um, yeah, I mean, definitely Denver uh, for a weekend, in addition to the whole year, because their scene is great. Uh, they put the. <laughs> When is High Plains? So High Plains 
is uh, not too far from now. It is uh, in September, and the specific dates are, oh my god, I need to put this on the press release. Um, okay, just a second. They, it is on... October? No, September. Okay, September 8th to 10th. Cool. I did when I was there. Um, this it's a little place. It's called the Denver Comedy Underground. It's oh, cool! And uh, had a it was a lot of fun. It was a cool little like it was like a teeny little theater, you know, with like theater seat, you know, with like movie theater seating. And right. I think it held about a hundred people. It was uh, it was a really cool little she- uh, like for lack of a better word, a chic little place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so announced uh, that we'll be at the festival. Uh, coming in le- less than a month is James. Kyle Kinane, Nick Thune, Steph Tolive, Shang Wang, Guy Branham, Jenny Zagrino, Shane Torres, Candace Thompson, Blair Saki, Yadoi Travis, Tom Dakar, Pink Fox, Jim Tews, Amy Miller, Aiden, Adam Caton Holland, Ben Roy, Andrew Overdahl, Kimberly Clark, David Borey, Sean Jordan, Michelle Balloon, Ahmed Barucha, Shane Brendan, Caitlin Palufo, Zahid Duji, Felicia Folks, Sam Talent, Rob Hayes, Maddie Ryan, Alex Kuman, Shaunak uh, Godkindi, I think that's right, Jay Menz, Regan uh, Nimella, JT Haverstack, Kenise Mobley, Colton Dowling, Chad Opitz, Anna Valenzuela, Mike Weeby, Rob Gleason, Troy Walker, Hayden Crystal, Chris Sharpentier, Jordan Dahl, Mara Wiles, Stephen A.G., Kevin O'Brien, Allison Rose, Nola Wee Mengist, uh, Britt Hiker, and Harris Alterman. Wow. That's a that's a fun bunch. Some, a lot of them I know, some of them I don't, but that's a hell of a lineup. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, like, I mean, I, you know, I'd like to think Kyle is, like, a household name. And maybe to some people, that's the thing, is to some people he is. I just, I wish that he was more of that. But, like, that, him being at that festival is, uh, I think, uh, being one of the bigger acts is great uh, as I think the just I think Kyle would set a great tone I mean because he always sets a great tone wherever he is yeah Kyle's great uh, the festivals I do that's one thing I miss about like I haven't been to a festival in a while and it is like summer camp for adults and mm-hmm. it's it's so it's it's, it's just like i don't want to go to bed like that's why like when i'm at like at the montreal comedy festival i stay up till five in the morning and six in the morning because it's like i I don't want to go to bed you know i just wait by the elevators in case there's someone coming in late you know because that's the real show todd after all the you know gfl showcases and the galas and all that everybody hangs out at the lobby at the hyatt and that's that's another show unto itself you know Uh, can i say one more quick thing Absolutely. I, I, it's sort of repeating what I said before, but if you have to tell somebody that comedy is good today, mm-hmm. you, sh- you shouldn't bother because you're not going to prove it. Right. They'd be able to do it on their own. Like, go, you know what I mean? Like I said, go back and look at the other ears. Like, and, I, and I'll tell you how I use that to, my, to myself. Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is I was, in, I was in a relationship with someone who was a lot younger than me. But back up before that, before that happened, I used to say, of course, there's new good music. And Jake, I would really sell it like I knew it. And I didn't know it. But I would go, oh, what are the odds that when we look back on music, 
in, in 30 years, we're going to go, remember 2020, there was no good music. Right. So I just said it because I knew it was most likely true. And I would fight the fight. I would go, of course, there's new good music. But I really had no fucking idea. But, <laughs> I, but, but I knew it because of the universe and how there's always good music from every era. And there's also a lot of shit. Yeah, absolutely. So, so without knowing, I just said it because I didn't need to have someone go. Because if someone needed to put groups in front of me, it wouldn't have worked. If someone goes, Todd, there is good so I just said it because I knew it. And guess what? When I got into that relationship and he started putting a lot of new music in front of me, of course I was right. But yeah. I didn't need it to be put in front of me. Now, I enjoyed it being put in front of me because I got to listen to it on that level. Yes, I'm glad. But as far as making an educated decision, I didn't need someone to go, well, what about this group? And what about that group? And I'll send you this group. Because if they're doing that, your mind is closed off. You right. need to be able to do that on your own, as I did. If, right. if you have to ask, well, comedy isn't what it used to be, nothing I say, or no matter how many comedians I put in front of you, is going to change your opinion. Right. So the truth is, you can't really have this argument. We can do it now because we're sort of yelling into the canyon. Right. But on a one-on-one -on -one basis, if someone doesn't think comedy is what it used to be, nothing you say is going to change their opinion unless they choose to find out it's false. Absolutely. 100, 100%, 100%. I came out pretty clean, actually. I think you did. I think you did. Um, this has been so great, Todd. Thank you for sharing everything. I like truly sharing wisdom and uh, things that I, I feel like perspectives that are out there, but perhaps they're not captured as like fervently as when you say them. And definitely coming from you, because I feel like, a lot of older generations in comedy, they'll look down at people who came up through social media, whatever platform it may be, you know, I mean, TikTok used to be Vine and that's all, there's always gonna be another thing. That's the thing, there's always gonna be another thing. Um, and just putting your foot in the, uh, in the mud and just not moving, it's not a way, obviously not a way forward. No, and I'm enjoying, and like I said, you know, I'm enjoying it. Like the thing that's good about that, if you decide that comedy is good, you know, it's fun. I'm, I'm still getting to grow and having a ball doing it. I'm glad that right. I figured out TikTok because I'm not doing it. Some people think, oh, you got to do TikTok. No, then don't, don't. If, right. if that's your attitude, don't do it. You're not, I'm happily doing it. Yeah. When I saw it, I got jealous of it. I was watching it and I really, like everything else, if you just scan through it, you don't know what you're talking about. You're gonna go, it's just dances. But when I really embraced into it and looked at it and I got jealous, I was like, oh, look how funny that is. And that's such a simple thing. And this comedian's just chopping his stand up on it and chopping up his stand up. So I'm not doing it as like, oh, you have to do TikTok now. I'm having a ball doing it. Yeah. Um, as I do my podcast, when that came along, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, like Vine wasn't did you know Vine didn't do it. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't really figure Vine out. You know, it wasn't my thing. Instagram, I dabbled into, and but now with TikTok, you know, it's just I'm having fun. I'm like glad that I'm a part of it. Right. Absolutely. For, to, to continue with the niceties, uh, I, I thank you for always like whenever I run into you. You're always, you know, it's one thing. It's not that you agree with me. You say it's clean, 
and you sometimes give me verbiage to what I call fight the good fight. And like, right. you'll say, you'll turn a phrase, you know, and something we both agree on, but you'll turn a phrase a little differently, which gives me, I'll repeat it. You know, you, right. you take that stuff and then you use it out when you're trying to make your point. And I'm always love bumping into you. And, you know, you are somebody that's out. I, you know, I could not go out for two years and then I go out there common night and there you are at the improv or there you are to, at a house show or, yeah. you know, so, um, I always, always like bumping into you. You're a good, you're a good man. Oh, that means the, that means the world, Todd. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find you online? And is there anything else you would like to promote? You know, I have 10 year old Tom, which is a show I've been uh, doing the voice of the principal on uh, HBO max just got picked up for season two. And other than that, um, you know, I, like, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm doing TikToks and having a ball doing it. Right. And, uh, and, uh, I got a little help about two months ago. There's a, there's a, there's a, a comedian friend of mine, Chad, um, uh, not Chad, uh, Cam, uh, Gavinsky. Yes. And he's a comedian, but he also does the, the keyboard in my, and he has a friend, Chad. He's, uh, um, Chad is bored on, on, uh, on TikTok and he, is helping me, which is fun because I don't have to worry about the technical aspect. Right, right, right. So I've been just having fun. So I got a ton of a ton of TikToks up, and uh, and then just out doing tour dates again on my on my website, and that's really all my tour dates are on my website. And whatever I do on TikTok, I throw up on Instagram too, and and put it on Twitter. But uh, what's that, your, that's what's everything. Your, what's your website, Todd? Todd Glass Comedy, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm sure if you Google Todd Glass Comedy, it'll come up. Yeah. That, and TikTok, uh, it's, it's my name on TikTok, just Todd right. Glass. I remember the first time I saw Janine Garofalo live was at What's Up Tiger Lily. And she was like, my reps tell me I have an, a special out that it's out. So I'm not online, guys. So I, I, don't, I don't know how you find it, but just know that it's out there. And then she yeah, sometimes I get confused with all, but I know like Todd Glass comedy. It's usually Todd Glass comedy. All, all of them are uh, the Todd Glass show or Todd Glass comedy. But um, you know that's it. Just uh, just and back out on the road doing a lot of Jim Gaffigan dates and uh, and my own dates. That's awesome. Go check out Todd wherever. I think it's it, you'll have a great time and it's important. <laughs> Um, I'm Jay Kroger. I created the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com at the Comedy Bureau across socials. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Not the Supermarket, on Twitter at MFJ Kroger. There's so many co great causes to support at this time. Please support those, especially uh, if there's like an abortion access fund in Indiana, uh, stuff like that. But if you have money or generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau. I'd like to keep it running for another 12 years or even longer. Um, and with that said, do you have anything to say as we sign off? No, uh, that's it, uh, everybody. Uh... Um, uh, uh, remember the immortal words of Mr. Rogers. I like you just the way you are. Absolutely. A thousand percent. Uh, you know, live comedy is happening. Comedy of all kinds is happening. Please go support it. And as the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.